Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everyone! Before we get started, I just want to let you know that your input can directly make our shows better. One of the biggest ways to support your favorite shows here is by rating and commenting on iTunes. All of our shows are available in Apple Podcast form on iTunes, and all you have to do is search for AfterBuzz and your favorite show title. Once you're there, leave the show a rating and a comment on why you like the show or any comments you have for the hosts. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to continue to bring you the best shows we possibly can. Hey, shave and a haircut? Two bits. Hey there, Z Nation fans. Welcome to another episode of the Z Nation After Show on AfterBuzz TV. Tonight we are talking about Season 4, Episode 10, Frenemies. And guys, we have a very special guest. Stay tuned. You're tuning in to the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin Two bits. <laughs> which is not the right music for that let's be no, completely we were, real we were a little bit too cheery to come in on these dire organs but come on guys it's about an evil barber we had to open with some sweeney todd well the difference is this is about an evil fake barber and this is an evil character but <laughs> was actually a barber I mean, in character yes. I mean, for a con artist, he seemed to do pretty well as a barber before he murdered people. So, good for him. I don't know. The half beard says otherwise. <laughs> well, we'll dig into it. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Z Nation After Show. Tonight, we are talking about frenemies. Let's not waste any time. I'm your host, Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. To my left, Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. You can follow me all over the internets at Kiaje. That is K-I-A-X-E. E.T. And to my left, joining us in studio is the director of this episode and our very, very special guest for tonight, Alexander Yellen. Woo! Hi. I, I have to correct you. I didn't actually direct this episode. Oh! Uh, I'm the director of photography on the show, and uh, but the director of this episode is Juan Moss, who is, uh, I think it's his third episode, and uh, he's the second unit director on the rest of the series, so... A very, very experienced person. But I did work on it, so... Director of photography, which... This episode, for any... Any episodes where you are in one location, the visuals are everything. Yes. So I can't wait to talk to you about that and t- everything like that. It's going to be so good. So, guys, unfortunately, Michelle Cullen is out sick again this week. Please send her your well wishes at Michelle underscore Cullen. She walked through that awful foam storm and she's just kind of recovering, so yeah. <laughs> Please send her your well wishes. We miss her. Uh, we are going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag Nation. Katie's got you guys covered on the live chat. Um, guys, let's go ahead and dig into it. I think this is Last week was my favorite episode so far of this season, and I was like, I don't know, guys, it's going to be tough to top this one. This episode was fantastic. Oh, my God. This Bottle episodes are really hit or miss just in general because of the limitations of the location. This one was so much fun. Oh, my God. This was a blast. 
This location, I don't know if you guys know, was was built completely from scratch. Really? There are no practical location. There are no practical places. Most of the show we film in practical spaces, buildings, lots, abandoned factories that we repurpose for our show. This one was constructed completely from scratch uh, on our stage at uh, at the Museum of uh, Arts and Culture in Spokane. Holy cow! Um, it's I would say the most ambitious set that our production design team, Vincent Dave Felice, and the set decorator, Colin Redman, have done to date. Uh, the whole thing was built on platforms so it could have a trap door down to the zombies. So it was really nice. three floors? There was really like the the one level and then the barber shop and then the basement? Uh I should correct that. The so the, they weren't stacked on top of each other as three floors. Those were three separate sets. But there was a trap door, a working trap door in the floor of the main barbershop set, and the whole thing was constructed so you could walk from room to room to room. That um, is great. But yeah, we don't usually get that kind of uh, we don't usually get that kind of thing on Z Nation. And there were also there were wall panels that you can take out so you can create like there are holes behind the mirrors so that we could get you know certain angles on the barber chair or you know behind the guys on the couch and it was it was what it was probably the most production friendly set we've had on the show to date but uh well, yeah. kudos to those guys well yeah because taylor made for production you don't usually get that it looked it looked really good it really did look like a kitschy barber shop and it was just beautiful yeah it was i I can't believe, like, on the one hand, that is insanely cool, but, like, you, the way you guys shot it, it was seamless. It did really seem like it was a three-story barbershop that you guys were working in. So, that, knowing that you guys built that all from scratch, that's really impressive. And that, that shot that goes from the barbershop up to the attic, back mm-hmm. to the barbershop, and down to the floor was a specialty, like, that was a, that was a concept from the very beginning, from the script, sort of breakdown stage, that we were a little nervous on the execution of because we had to match it in three different locations, and it it, it worked out really um, as well as we could have hoped for, and, and then some. It was seamless. Oh yeah! Like I I as I was watching it, and we we have that up and then back down and then down again. I was like, I don't know how they did that, but that was fabulous. Yes, and it really helped set the stage for the audience. Just watching it going, all right, there's a dude in the attic, and there's a whole bunch of dead people down below. Oh, this will be fun. Fantastic. a full Sweeney Todd up in here. <laughs> Fantastic setup for dramatic irony. Um, I very much appreciated it. Um, talking. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, talking about visuals, like, the first visual that we're sort of treated to is this very soapy storm. Um, and I, I believe the the explanation for that was the amount of chemicals in the air off of Lake Michigan in terms of trying to combat the zombies were what caused this radioactive bubble storm, potentially? Nuclear fallout and a bunch of decomposing bodies and just <laughs> some kind of hell storm. I... Was was it you that said, "Are they in a car wash"? <laughs> like, didn't we have that moment while watching it? Like, where? Yeah, before before what? we got the explanation, I was like, "Are are they in a car wash right now? Are they attacking zombies in a car wash?" There's just a lot of bubbles happening. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> I mean, that was so foam off the lakes is a real phenomenon, and but of course, this is Z Nation, and we take everything to eleven. So. <laughs> Hashtag Z Nation Science. We'd, we'd be right. disappointed if you didn't. So uh, I think it's something like 10,000 square feet of plastic sheeting in a parking garage and, uh, you know, a you know three nightclubs worth of party foam. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a standard unit of measurement now? 
Three nightclubs. If, if not, if not, it should be. Uh, it is now. Uh, and some industrial fans, and it's just uh, making foam and blowing it around chaotically. Um, that was all a that was all a separate unit thing. I didn't do so well in the foam. Uh, Does anyone though? Some people do. I mean, uh, Peter Green, who's our second unit uh, director of photography, he had no problem with it at all. He was like a kid in a candy store in that film. I think maybe he went to one foam party too many when he was, you know, when he, when he was in his 20s. But uh, <laughs> he he was, you know, happy as a climb in there running around with the actors and like. Uh, but, of course, it was incredibly noisy. So all of that dialogue is is after the fact because you just couldn't hear yourself think with all the fans and the and the foam blowers. But, yes, uh, the car wash sequence. <laughs> It looked I, cool. I do it have did. to ask: was the was the green tint was that added in post, or was that like a green gel or lighting effect? It was green. It was lighting effect. It was wow. uh, it was a whole bunch of green lights. Again, it was. I think there was like a a um, like a party rental or like a party supply, like club supply. You know, uh, DJ lighting the whole deal that they uh, that we get some specialty tools from, and they had these special like green intense super intense leds that we had all over the place just pushing through the through the soap because that the soap absorbs light very the bubbles <laughs> absorb light very quickly so um i wish i had behind the scenes videos to show you guys because there are some there are some fun ones there's like a there's, <laughs> there's like a group, email there's like a group facebook thread that the cast and crew all post on and everybody had their like <laughs> here's the chaotic video of working in the foam <laughs> i was gonna say you can't have an industrial strength fan with foam and bubbles without people at least taking a little bit of time to have fun with that. Um, but talking about that, was it difficult for them to hit their marks? Because I imagine with all with all of the foam and all of the lighting equipment and everything, and, the noise. Like, and all of the industrial fans going, that it would have been difficult for them to see where they're going. I'm impressed that they didn't run into the camera. <laughs> Um, that would have been a good shot, there though. Were, there were a couple very, uh, very intimate close-ups, and I'm, I'm imagining that was out of necessity. I think there's a lot you... I think there are a lot of outtakes that you don't see uh, in the film sequences, but no, I'm pretty sure there were no actual marks. Um, and I think there was, a, there, was, there was great concern over tripping over things on the ground, so things All had to cables. be set... For, yeah, well, yeah, everything had to be set fairly far back so that people didn't... Because you can't see anything. I was concerned about um, some of the fight sequences in the foam, fighting the zombies. I'm like, I know that everybody on this is very professional, but man, if it's that, if it's super difficult to see, I hope nobody got whacked at any point. Did I just beat up an intern? I'm sorry, I thought you were a zombie. <laughs> um, so well, I, every, every, but every intern on Z Nation does do, at least I think, does do a turn as a zombie at some point. Oh, that's fabulous. At, as as do. A number of crew. Uh, did you? I don't know if you guys discussed this last week. Um, that our that Esther, the first AD, was a zombie. Was the was hell in the bathroom zombie in the <laughs> yeah. TV no, station? We didn't, we didn't know that. That's awesome. She makes another cameo this week on the cover of the magazine that Skeezy is reading when they come <laughs> into the barber shop. Really? That was that a Cosmo or? It's a right. It's, it's a, a it's a beauty. Ma- it's like a generic beauty magazine. <laughs> It's a Cosmo, wink. Right. <laughs> Cosmo. Um, um, so it wasn't a huge aspect of this episode, but um, but let's talk about Warren a little bit. You know, as she's going through the foam, everybody else kind of pieces <laughs> pieces out to get to the barbershop. But she sees somebody in the foam, and 
Um, we're not sure at first whether it's a hallucination or if it's an actual real person that she can get some information out of. And as as the episode goes on, we find out that it is, in fact, Dr. Teller, so it is a hallucination. But this brings up a lot of questions, especially knowing that they're going to be heading back to where they originally met Dr. Teller last episode. It brings up a lot of questions as to whether or not he was the one that orchestrated all of her visions in the first place. I wouldn't be surprised, considering that I still kind of have this going theory that... um Zona is still behind everything and they're just using her to flip certain switches and pick up certain supplies and whatever. Like, I'm going full conspiracy theory on this, so I would not be surprised if that were the case. Well, you do Pointedly get... not looking at you because... Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do spoilers, but... Uh, we don't want any spoilers. But the, uh, I mean, you do, see, you do see the character fairly early in the episode, and for anybody who, who has religiously watched the show and saw the beginning of season three... Uh, he is wearing a suit that you would recognize. Yeah. Um, except that you don't get the like bright red color in that green foam. It sort of went away. But uh, so, but you wouldn't necessarily know it was Teller. But you, there's there's a there's a clue there that that avid viewers would hopefully pick up on. Um, right. And then yeah, we we know where we're going. We we know where we're going this week. So. Um, well, I noticed he was in a fully sealed suit, but I didn't think, oh, Dr. Teller, I thought that man has a leg up on everyone else in this storm because he's not breathing this in. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was I was suspicious at first. I was like, anybody running around right now, I don't know if I'd trust that. And then finding out it was a Teller hallucination. I've been skeptical of Warren's visions since the get-go. So just because it has Dr. Teller's face on it, I'm not... I'm not sure I still completely trust it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But Although it is interesting. It's one of the few times that we see a hallucination bleed into reality. It's not her yeah. going into the dream. Yeah. It's something that really persists into her, her, her you know, present. Yeah, and he, he walked away Field of Dream style and actually faded out. Um yeah, it, you know, from her reality. So that that was probably for her at least a nice change because her hallucin- hallucinations are not pleasant. Um and she still has the canisters. So yeah. whatever whatever it is she's supposed to do, I I hope she has what she needs, but again, yeah, somehow those have survived everything. I mean, they take good care of their things when they need to. <laughs> They're robust, and those are real. I mean, that's a that's a metal that's that's a legit metal prop. That's not a they're you know, that's not sturdy. a plastic. Yeah, <laughs> it it's, is going to survive the zombie apocalypse. Well, it survived this far, so <laughs> one hopes it'll at least make it to the end of the season. We'll see. Um, so yeah, that that kind of puts a cap on Warren's side of things for now. Let's talk about this barbershop because we get reintroduced to sketchy and skeezy when we first enter, and my. Goodness, I have missed them. I've missed these ridiculous nerds. The, They're so much fun. The anytime uh, the focus of the episode is on them, you know you're gonna have a blast. But I also very much liked that from the get go, um, they weren't quite they they weren't quite as fun loving as they normally are. So the audience picks up immediately that they are in the middle of a bad situation that Doc and Murphy have just sort of stumbled into. So but just the musical cues, the camera work, like we'd zoom in on. Reaching for a lever, and they would go, 
and oh. lean way and just like oh nobody here is subtle and it's the best I mean this was a very uh, I mean it's a bottle show yes but it's also a very you know it, it references a lot of different movies um, I mean, you know, there's the Sweeney Todd aspect to it, but there's a very Tarantino uh, yeah. influence in there and sort of Hateful Eight-ish. Um, and I, I couldn't even, you'd have to ask uh, Abram, who was the writer of this episode. Uh, you guys have had him on the show before, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd have to ask Abram for a list of all of his cinematic <laughs> references. All of the references. And I'd be willing to guess that none, the three of us combined have not seen all of those movies. <laughs> uh, because there I don't are know. many. I no no I'm not gonna pretend like I have. Um, it's an impressive list, and and there were definitely like when he was he and I were uh, go, talking about the script, um, there were a lot of jokes that he just cracked up at because and he thought I got the reference and I didn't get the reference. So sort of like <laughs> awkwardly chuckled along, but uh, I mean he's a guy who has seen many 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 movies and has a you know encyclopedic knowledge of film, and he applied much of that encyclopedia to this episode but um yes no they're they are nervous and uncomfortable and anxious from the moment uh doc and murphy come in the door um and you know that was very it's very like you know sort of cartoonish like wink wink nudge nudge uh i'm gonna stomp on the floor and and make (laughs) you know bad puns and try to get these guys attention to tell them Basically telegraph as loud as possible, this is a bad idea, get out. I'm literally writing, get out on a piece of paper and shoving it in your face and you're ignoring me. And I feel like if anyone else had been part of the partnership to walk in, they would have picked up on it fairly quickly. But it's these two. It's Doc, who's really chill and who's just trying to figure out where he's seen this guy before. And it's Murphy, who is Murphy. And I feel like that's just the best summary for that. I mean, a lot of this was let's put the four let's like let's put the four funniest characters we have on Z Nation in a room together yes. and let them just go nuts. Yes. Um, and I mean, they certainly they all got together before we filmed the episode and you know did a couple of read throughs and like worked on the pacing and the repartee and the back and forth to try to make it as uh, you know as good as it could possibly be and as crazy as possible but that's you know it's it's an out there it's certainly an over-the-top episode and it is unabashedly so well what i love about this entire scenario is that it's hilarious but also there is that element of danger and that keeps the stakes high and even though much like a tarantino movie it's very funny and very quirky there is that underlying element of dread that a couple of our characters are completely unaware of it's that alfred hitchcock thing of like if you show an explosion it's you know that doesn't do anything for the audience but you show a bomb underneath a desk and you hear the timer going off that does so much more for building up dramatic tension which again takes us back to the you know the shot going through the floor that was very um inglorious bastards yes yeah um or at least that was the first thing that came to mind when i read the when i read that beat in the script um but yes no the the episode relies because there's not a lot of action in it so it's it's very dialogue heavy it's very you know it's it's very contained so you need that to sort of keep the story interesting and drive the plot forward well and it gets pretty slapsticky at points as well 
It does. There, there are a few, um, you know, gags between <laughs> literal between, and figurative between vomiting and <laughs> uh, and and Matt Davidson in, in one of the makeup department's all time great uh, prosthetic makeups. Uh, can, oh my god, the tan talk, zombie! Can we talk about that because? I I, t- I I did get spoiled for that before I got a chance to watch the episode. I did see somebody post it on Twitter before I got to sit down. But that being said, I didn't care. When this thing actually came out from the back of the room, I sat there with my jaw like hanging open and going like, this feels like it's a scene right out of Evil Dead. It does. And I, I say that with the utmost excitement and joy because that happens to be one of my favorite horror franchises. So two, so three, three, three things about the tan mop. So one, obviously, that's a very direct reference to a uh, reality phenomenon. <laughs> um, but so yep. the, the tan mom is Matt Davis. So it's a guy in a in a female bodysuit who's a regular zombie. Who's you know we have we have some hero zombies who are in regular rotation. Matt's one of them. Um, he was the pope. He was also the most recently the pope in the uh, coffin and uh, the church in the base in the crypt of the church yeah um my great disappointment with the tan mom is that we never get to see tan mom from behind because there's the like the the butt detail (laughs) was is truly a missing gem from that sequence um the other thing that happened while we were filming that was um there was there are some water balloons in that costume (laughs) i kind of figured (laughs) And one of them leaked. <gasps> no! So all of a sudden, there's this giant puddle of water on the set, and nobody knows where it came from. And uh, probably the things that were said are better left uh, <laughs> off the air. But that was one of the more... And it wasn't on... There's a, uh, there's a, there's a good behind-the-scenes video that I can share with you guys later <laughs> of, of trying to clean him up. But, uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. oh. oh. <laughs> The um, I I have to ask though because uh, typically as far as nudity goes, this this show isn't very graphic, but I feel like this is the first time we've seen like a fully naked zombie walking out. And you know, there's no there. Was there any network pushback on that one? Not as far as I know. Really? But you, that I guess, I'm a little surprised. I don't always see the network notes, so uh, maybe they said something, but it made it to air. So clearly, they can't have had too big a, a issue with it, and. You know, certainly the the idea that like this this person this zombie is so cooked <laughs> yeah. from being in a tanning bed for years and years and years that that anything graphic has long since been covered up, worn off, whatever. Yeah, it, it looked pretty Ken dolled, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I I think um, my my favorite bit was the build up to it. Uh, like as great as I love the the makeup and the prosthetic work and everything like that. I think Murphy's build up to it of like I'm gonna go and hang out in this tanning booth and just seeing the zombie and going no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then didn't he open it again a second time? He did. Like, nope. Still nope. And with the sound effect, you know, I, I'm, yes, I'm, a, I'm a huge effect. fan of any time you, I mean, the comedy is always in the reactions. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. actually, and uh, most things are in the reactions. It's, it's, uh, and that's a big thing Carl believes in. Just something he tells directors is make sure you have good reaction shots because that's the characters telling the audience how they should feel about the scene and is oftentimes more important than seeing the actual gag. 
emoting. It's very, very important. Yes. Um, especially for an episode like this where a lot of it is very much, like, it's very reliant on the dialogue and the acting to really sell it because you're you're all in one location. And I know we talked about it before, but bottle episodes are probably my favorite thing. Like, whenever a show decides, hey, we're just going to put all of these characters in one place and just hang out for X amount of time, whether they're trapped there or not, those always tend to be my favorite sort of scenarios because it forces you to have interesting character interactions and interesting visuals. It's one of the reasons why, like, The Breakfast Club is my favorite John Hughes movie. Like, they're, they're like, to me, those are always my favorite. And whenever Z Nation chooses to do something like that, I'm always impressed. This is basically two zombie apocalypse survivors walk into a barber shop. <laughs> and then you go from there. That is a setup to a joke. <laughs> yes, that's the point. <laughs> Doc and Murphy walk into a barbershop. Yep. And, yes, and? <laughs> so we. I feel like we also need to touch a little bit on sketchy and skeezy, uh, you know, since since they are very big aspects of this episode. And to me, I thought it was very interesting that they were doing their best to try to warn Doc and Murphy to get out of the barbershop that they were in because... They have always been out for themselves. So the fact that they were doing their best to try to get Murphy and Doc out of the situation, I think says a lot about their character. Well, I think at this point they like our crew. It's a crew of people that you run into more than once, which is rare in the zombie apocalypse. And for the (laughs) most part, everyone's just been fairly chill to one another. Like it's not like they're it's not like Sketchy and Skeezy are terribly buddy buddy with um Operation Bite Mark, but they're not enemies. You don't burn them to the ground every time <laughs> we see them, so Right. Well Murphy all I mean, Murphy is always very ambivalent and then uh a lot of our supporting characters I mean, a lot of the uh the what I'll call like the season two, three, four additions to the cast. So like, you know, Vasquez uh, always had sort of a always had a dodgy opinion of sketchy and skeezy, and so Sarge again just is could not be less impressed with <laughs> with sketchy and skeezy when she shows up. And Ten K is sort of his bemused normal self, just obviously. Like, oh God, yeah. not again. <laughs> um, and Doc is always you know he's the guy who's who is friends with sketchy, so uh, so he has a particular rapport with them. But I mean, it's sort of revealed at the end of the episode they they had a thing going, so they also didn't want Murphy and Doc sort of fouling You're up there. You're screwing it up! Right. <laughs> Quit it, guys! Um, I The way I think of it is that, like, Doc and usually whoever Doc happens to be with end up indulging Sketchy and Skeezy, at least for a little bit, in whatever scam they have going. Like, uh, the election episode uh, last season, uh, again, one of my favorites of the series, where it's just Doc basically going... Okay, let's indulge these guys for a little bit. And Addie uh, has no patience for it at all. No, but yeah. but she's sitting there willing to be the judge because it's the apocalypse. Why not? <laughs> right. Well, she also right uses it as an opportunity to like she she hopes she's going to show everybody like what a couple of buffoons these you know guys really are. Like, all right, you want to play this game? We're going to play this game. We're going to play this game, I'm going to win, but we're still going to play. Well, not that they really need her help for that. (laughs) Um, They're pretty successful, though. Um, And and here, so yeah, it's nice seeing them, but it's also seeing, great seeing 
two people who, even though they're complete scoundrels, they have a really good dynamic, and it's how they've survived this long. Um, and I think um, it was hysterical, but I think my favorite thing was that moment when they're planning Skeezy's escape so that he can... Was It, it was Skeezy that went outside, right? I think so, yeah. Because he was bit. Um, his escape so that he could come back in and, and take out the competition. Um, but Get to just, the truck with the weapons and then, Just yeah. the build-up to that of this elaborate ruse of like, oh, he got bit by the zombie and he actually drinks Barbasol. <laughs> oh. Oh God, Barbicide! That stuff oh. is that stuff is was super spe- poisonous. Well, it was specifically created to clean barbershop tools, which you know after they go through someone's hair and whatnot, way back in the early 1900s or before. I'm not sure when it was created, but it was a while ago. Things weren't necessarily terribly clean, so Barbicide is heavy duty. Ugh. Here's the barbicide. It'll kill anything. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to pour it on the wound and it's going to, oh, or that's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Skeezy died that day. <laughs> I actually just like that even after he drank the barbicide and was told you weren't supposed to drink it, he still doesn't pour it on the wound. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they, the two of them actually share a kiss, too. Like, And that, I was like... I adore this. I definitely know that they have a scheme going on right now, but I kind of like the hint, too, that maybe Skeezy does care about Sketchy in that way. Skeezy's into it. What do you guys think? Potential OTP for this show? What do you mean, potential? <laughs> well, you guys, did you, uh, at the at the end of the episode, then they have that moment they where, do. what should we do next? And Skeezy says, make out again. And... <laughs> Doug what? runs over with, get a dog. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, get a dog. That, yeah, of course. Will Do you those, think there are still dogs? Maybe. Will those two crazy kids ever figure it out? Hmm. I hope not. I feel like they kind of already have. <laughs> They've got their little barbershop so now. And only one of them realizes it. <laughs> I just love, well, what took you so long? Well, you know, green phone, green truck. You swallowed the key, didn't you? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, I want to know from you guys, Sketchy and Skeezy, is that your OTP for Z Nation? We'll uh, start a Twitter poll. Yes, absolutely. After the episode. <laughs> I'm dying to know what you guys think. That sounds like so much fun. But in the middle of it, we also get um, we also get introduced to a couple other robbers <laughs> who come in in the middle of this whole affair. Um, I love this robbery gone wrong because at this point everybody sort of banded together when they thought skeezy was going to turn into a zombie and then these two other robbers come in they're like okay we're all again still not necessarily on the same side but there's a third factor here now that we have to deal with and I'm pretty sure these were two guys that Sketchy and Skeezy swindled years ago, if that flashback was anything to judge by, when they had fake Murphy. Mm-hmm. It was just one of them. It was it was Dale, the guy with the big bushy beard, was like one of the good old boys from, from the Down the Mississippi episode. Who, okay. Right, who Skeezy bites. The other guy was the other guy was new. So, you know, one you're left to wonder how how he teamed up with this other guy <laughs> and what robberies they've been committing since, but the apocalypse um but uh the actor who plays dale uh is named aaron fink he's actually on the art crew so he helped build that barbershop 
And he was somebody who was so perfect and just so entertaining to watch and so hysterical. It was sort of like, okay, we have to bring him. We have to find a way to get this guy back on the show somewhere because he was just too good. <laughs> well, and, uh, Renji in chat said way at the beginning, to me, this episode felt mostly improv, not saying that's a bad thing. And about the point where we had even more characters walking is the point where it started feeling a little bit like an improv sketch, like... There's more people, and we're walking into this, and it's escalating. Everyone is in full-on yes-and mode. <laughs> this is nuts. I love it. I think that, uh, I think you just, yes-and very much describes Sarge and 10K's reactions to everything. Because I feel like they didn't do a ton in this episode, but the color commentary that they provided was just spot on. Like, just Sarge, uh, as you mentioned, you know, um, Vasquez not having any of their nonsense last season... Um, definitely Sarge in this episode just occasionally giving the comment of like, yeah, you know, Better cutting off his limbs, that would definitely do it. And just, whose side are you on? <laughs> I loved that. Right, Sarge, right, Sarge is the one who, like, she's the straight girl in this, in this, in this comedy scenario. Like, everybody else is just being utterly ridiculous and she's the one looking, you know, looking at the audience just going like, am I the only one? here like anybody else <laughs> stares at the camera in the office <laughs> yeah like she's on the office yeah oh my god I, I don't know how many more ways i can say this was so much fun to watch because it really was it was yeah we're um apart from the 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 shot where we go up through all three of the floors were there any other shots that you guys found particularly challenging um to sort like where kind of you're like how are we going to accomplish this i mean the most the most i would say the most demanding th thing we did other than that shot up and down uh and the foam <laughs> uh was just the overhead stuff and it's you know that just because of the tools we had access to at the time but when they go into the hallway to go to the basement cramming all of those people into that time i mean it was oh it's really God. a small a small hallway i think it was you know eight feet uh long by by three feet wide or something like that so i I, can't, I think it was nine or ten actors plus a bunch of zombies oh we had goodness. in that yeah. squeezed into that space so you know getting the camera overhead and the set wasn't built quite in such a way to make it easy to rig that camera overhead but um otherwise i think it was mostly just getting the gags to work right so getting the you know getting the trap door to open at the right time and the chair to work just right and then the vomit gags and then the uh the uh, dust hits, the bullets coming up from the floor and from the ceiling and from the wall, because all that stuff, and you know, a lot of times we use CG for that stuff, but in this episode, most of that was practical. Really? Um, so it was, they, there was this uh, very elaborate system of pneumatic hoses rigged up, you know, full of dust and rigged up in the floor to just give that, like, pop, 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 pop of, of uh, bullets of going off. Fire. Yeah. And this was a very practical episode. So that stuff was challenging, but, you know, being in one set for the whole episode gave us a little bit of flexibility to be able to do those things and having built it yourself and being able to build in things like that that too we're not drilling holes in other people's walls <laughs> yeah i'm sure they appreciate that now, so the shot of doc over the trap door like the first time we see it get really sweeney todd with the zombies down there. the zombies were a green screen for that one then that was a green screen and the zombies were, were separate but the trap door is real yeah and so there is a hole underneath him and so there's like seven people holding onto his feet so he doesn't <laughs> slide off the chair and you know fall the six feet down into the hole and hurt himself 
Well, the fact that that was a green screen, uh, it was seamless. It like yeah. it definitely looked like it, you guys just had zombies right there at the bottom of that trap door. Uh, our visual effects department has always been good, but they've done some. They have done some exceptional work this year. Whether it's shots like that or it's Mueller's head blown off. And, yes, that one was which, my favorite. Oh my that's my in my personal opinion. That's the best visual effect that they've done ever. But um, they've done some really outstanding work this year and. Yeah, seamless, like you said. Yeah, that one in particular was great. So, my God, yes. Uh, Katie, you have a question. Go. Did I? Yeah, you did. Go, go for it. Like the topic switch? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, have we covered everything for this episode for the most part? Um, unless we've got any final comments. I really enjoyed watching. <laughs> I very much enjoyed this one, too. Um, Again, I can't stress it enough. Bottle episodes are great. The only thing, and we were kind of having this discussion a little bit uh, before the show, but the only thing that would have made it better for me is if there actually had been, like, a barbershop quartet song or some sort of Sweeney Todd-esque musical number in it. But I would be greedy if I asked for all of that. Okay, but Z Nation musical, though. This is once again an opportunity and and, uh, it's been brought up before and it's been it's been a it's been a deep desire of many who work on the show since the very early days to have a Z Nation musical episode. So you guys can add your voice to the chorus. Just the choreographed zombie number where all the singing is done in subtitles because they're zombies and can't speak. (laughs) There have been little teases here and there. So like uh, two weeks ago when there was the zombie choir, like the choir of zombie nuns. Yeah. Um, things like that, or <laughs> or little snippets of song here and there, but there's never been a full out musical number. And I think I I imagine it's only a matter of time. If we can stay on the air long enough, we will we will get our musical episode. We were having this discussion. A lot of shows seem to do it around season six. So guys, if you want your Z Nation musical episode, hashtag Renew Z Nation. And guys, please do it. I need a musical episode yes. of this series. Please, please, please. And watch it live, buy it on iTunes, you know, ratings. And also lots of tweets. Yeah. I guess the only other thing I want to say about this episode is that I'm... Even though, like, again, they're not good people, I'm glad Sketchy and Skeezy had a happy ending. I'm glad their con worked out, even though, like, they're just as bad as the people who were trying to kill Doc and Murphy. Um, I'm glad they had a happy ending. They're very charming. And you know the next time we see them, it'll just be, well, what happened to the barbershop? One-line explanation. Okay. Yep. Right, it'll, it'll, right. That's always the way it is with them, is, yeah. is whatever their gag is... You know, they get their they get their um, tag their closing time <laughs> tagline, and then when we see them the next time, it's like, "What happened to you after that thing?" Oh, and there'll be Stuff. a ridiculous right. Yesterday's news. <laughs> I think the also plane crashed on top of it. the The final punchline of the the outside of uh, the barbershop being called "Curl Up, Curl and, up die. and Die." I love that it was. <laughs> Maybe it was a reference to Blues Brothers. I would hope that it was a reference to that, because that was the um, beauty shop that Carrie Fisher's character worked at. It is set in Chicago. It is indeed. Um, So I I hope it was a reference to that, but even if it wasn't, I'm like, I'm not normally on board with puns, but that's a good ending. That's a great punchline for the end of this episode. I was very happy. If there was going to be right, if there's going to be an episode that embraces puns, it would be this one. It would definitely be this one. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, if you guys have final thoughts on this particular episode, we would love to hear what you guys have to say. So switching gears a little bit, if I'm remembering this correctly, you directed episode six, right? Yes. 
So let's talk a little bit about that. What was it like taking the reins for that episode in particular? Because that's the hardest hitting one we've had this season. Uh, tremendously, I mean, very challenging, very scary, but also really gratifying because we've had we've had deaths on the show before and I've even had the opportunity to direct a couple of them, but never a main character and never, you know, the opportunity to sort of uh, to have the kind of resolution and the kind of death scene and the kind of aftermath scene. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was given a little bit of latitude with how I got to direct it, which was really, you know, special for me. I, I did, I, there were two, we actually shot the ending two different ways. Really? Um, in the original script, there was a bunch of, there was a dialogue scene when the, uh, when the team comes back out of the laboratory and they find Murphy cradling Lucy and she hadn't passed yet. Oh. Um, Ooh. And, you know, Carl and I talked about it and uh, the, you know, I, my, I wanted to do a version where it's a private moment with Murphy and Lucy and then we, there's no dialogue at all. And it's just about reactions and expressions and just the sort of like, si- like the stark silence of that moment and let it sink in, like really let it affect everybody. And that's how we ended up going with it because it just worked really well. Um, but yeah, that was a really, again, that was a really interesting and particularly challenging episode because you had this very straight, very heavy half of the episode. And then you have our normal madcap just, uh, Fighting the, a right, two person zombie thing. The, the lunacy of, right, of the Franken zombie. <laughs> With the multiple arms. Ooh. Which again, Matt Davidson was the other two, the, the tan mom was the other two arms. No kidding. So, uh, that guy's in an all star, man. Yeah. Yeah, he he shows up a lot. Um, but so right, we got uh, the main body, like the guy with the face. Uh, he's been around since season one. He was the big military zombie in the in episode four okay. of season yeah. one, who they push into the air shaft with a grenade. <laughs> so he came back, and his kid was the baby who bites uh, Hammond in the pilot. No, the zombie baby. The zombie baby is oh. is Frank and Zombie's child. Holy oh. cow! So, Set all this in motion. <laughs> so tie, ties it all together. Um, but he is great. And uh, but yeah, so there was that half that was just so absurd. And Doc with fingers crawling into his stomach. And <laughs> oh my oh god, god, the fingers were great and awful. And oh my god, um, we we had um, Michelle was making some comments about how how many little details the prop department had kind of put into the background of a lot of the the scenes in that particular episode. Wasn't one of them like two thumbs up from a proctology college or something? I'm so <laughs> glad. You know the the she reason had a notebook she wrote them down. Uh so uh Colin the set decorator asked me like what I wanted on the wall and I was like, well, it's a, a doctor's office, there should probably be some professional kind of stuff and I was like my father will think a proctology joke is really funny, so can you like can he have some kind of like proctology something? And he came back with that. I have that plaque. Like, I'm, that plaque now. <laughs> like, I'd keep it. I got to keep that. That yeah. now hangs on my wall. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I, I died laughing when I saw that. That was... But yes, there's lots of things like that. If you really, like, if you stop in any of our sets, and the barbershop is another great example, that set is full of Easter eggs. Whether it's the movies behind, like, the VHS tapes behind Murphy. I was going to say, um, I didn't get a chance to go back and rewind it, but every time it cut to um, a shot of Murphy right next to that TV with that line of VHSs, I was like, am I 
Am I reading some of those right? Is I need that to say gymnastics? <laughs> like some of those are inside crew jokes, or I think there's actually a Z Nation VHS tape back there. <laughs> of course there is. Um, the like celebrity photos on the wall are like crew members like mashed up with actual celebrity faces. The messages on the tel- like scrawled on the telephone in Sharpie. There's there are Easter eggs all over the place. Um, but that stuff is, I mean. You guys have you guys have been there and seen it. We have a lot of fun making the show. Oh it's, yeah, oh my god, you have, yes, we have to do that kind blast. of stuff. Yeah, the the devils in the details, and again, especially when you're doing a bottle episode, if you can't have a little fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So, um, kind of going back to that, like um, to the episode that you directed, um, that scene in particular must have been. Fantastic. For for one, we love Sarah, and we love whenever we get to talk about having Sarah on on this show. Um, you know, hashtag Pie Girl is the best. Um, but also having Keith's acting coach there to play the elder version of Lucy, like that must have been extremely moving. Um, I I know that like you're you guys are working fourteen hour days, but like, what was it like, kind of getting to see? These diff- several different actors, or in this particular case, three different actors working off of Keith for this very emotionally draining moment. Um, well, there are a couple of things I'll, I'll say. One is that uh, I had, it's uh, not the first time I'd worked with Madonna. Um, she, I met her on a movie that Keith directed uh, a couple of years ago. It was a, a an asylum horror movie called Eleven Eleven Eleven. Um, and she was I've like, heard of that? She was like the next door neighbor, like kind of the crazy cat lady. <laughs> Uh, and she was great. And, uh, the minute we saw the script, Keith was like, can I, you know, can I put Madonna up for this role? And, you know, it's, it was very difficult to find an actress who looked old enough. Like Carl wanted somebody who looked like, you know, who could look like they were 105 and Madonna doesn't. There's, there is, believe it or not, there is old aging makeup on Madonna. Uh, but still, you know, had, you know, a certain, like delicate quality to her that, and you know, was able to play the sort of frailty that 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 part required. But all three of those actresses were there for for um, certainly for Tara's stuff, and then for Sarah's stuff. Um, Tara, the the uh, youngest Lucy from this yeah. year, was not there when was not there for the death scene. But um, you know, Sarah and Madonna were there, so they were working off of each other, and they were sort of all working in 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 conference to try to align their performances as closely as possible. Um, but yeah, I think it was, I mean, gosh, that was, uh, we had two days to shoot that whole sequence oh my gosh. Wow. from getting to, from the, for the interior of the, um, that sort of guard shack. So from when they get inside to when they leave carrying Lucy's body, that was two days. So it was basically up through the beginning of Sarah Coates's work on the first day. And then, the majority of like her emotional scenes with with Keith on the with Murphy on the floor, and then the uh, finale with Madonna and the death afterwards. That was an, that was a heavy day. Everybody yeah, walked out what? of that day just being myself included, just totally drained, just emotionally, physically. Um, I'm gonna go home and pet my cat. <laughs> right, like we all need to go do something like very cheerful and uplifting. Uh, I mean, because they, again, they spent the whole day just crying. Um, and the interesting thing is the, uh, especially with Sarah's performance, there was a very distinct arc to, like, 
she she started in, in takes because we you know we'd we'd go scene by scene and then it was like okay who's who's we always start with a close up okay whose close up are we doing first um, and you know she would start out a little less emotional and then she would get very emotional and then she would taper back off and different lines I mean that performance she I mean she did a fantastic job but we definitely pulled different lines from different performances to let her get a little more emotional at certain beats and a little less emotional at other beats. And I mean, it, it just comes out like, man, those are some heartbreaking scenes when, uh, I mean, I love the scene when Keith is hallucinating and thinks he's talking to Serena. Oh yeah. my God. Ugh. Ugh. That was so heart wrenching. Um, and right. It's all about like Sarah, just, you know, that, that realization that like, okay, he really does like, he loved my mother. He loves me. I'm the product of her. Yes, I can. I have what I need to be able to save his life. Um. <laughs> All right. We're just going to sit here and relive that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, and God, what a treat for Sarah to be able to play, like, oh, yeah. to be able to play her own daughter. Well, yeah. and it's an extra layer of agony for the audience going, okay, but that is, oh, um, yeah, I think, I mean, on some level, I think we were disappointed we didn't get to like keep her for a couple of more episodes <laughs> in that, yeah. but you know, on that would have been great. Uh, again, if we ever get that musical episode, I feel like Serena deserves a musical number. Oh, I am down. Well, you could write, you could, uh, you know, uh, assuming we could afford to do it, bring all, <laughs> bring all sorts of, uh, special guests back to, to do the big. Can Tom Everett Scott sing? Can Michael Welch sing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, mean, I'm legitimately asking. <laughs> he was in that thing you do. I, he just pops I in hope for two lines. Remember he was me? In, he was in La La Land, but he didn't sing in that he movie. He's not singing La La Land. No. And the funny thing is, it's sort of you know, and, and for all of us, for all of us who worked on Z Nation, it was sort of like, okay, no, we're okay that Emma Stone left with Tom Everett Scott. Like, we yeah, like I, we like him. Yeah. Get to the end of that movie, and I'm like, yeah, no, good choice, good choice. <laughs> it's bittersweet, but you know what? She's doing pretty well for herself. <laughs> And in, I mean, in real life, Tom's such a great guy. Like, um, yeah. you know, we can we can root for Tom or his character. Yeah, I just didn't like the movie, so I'm like, <laughs> all right, chat it up with someone else. Great. <laughs> well, anyway, not. we we are running a little short on time. Is there anything else you want fans to know about episode six, which you directed, or about this particular episode in terms of crafting the visuals? Well, the, uh, what I will say about Six is that even though I do have a very heavy hand in the visuals being the DP on the show, that, that was uh, shot by Peter Green, um, also Three, which is the other one I directed. Um, so, And he is a fantastic DP. And if you just look at those episodes that he directed, uh, the, sorry, that he shot, or um, episode, what did, it, what did it end up being? Five from last season, which is 10K running around in the woods. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um oh. And then episode five this year, which was the uh, Moving Boxes episode. Uh, I mean, he's an incredibly talented uh, cinematographer. So he had, I mean, I I pushed him in certain directions for certain things, but really I try to stay out of his hair and give him as much autonomy as he can. So um, That makes a lot of sense. But the for uh, episode 10, you know, I, the idea was, again, to have more sort of, theat- it was it was meant to be very theatrical. So having these very sort of stagey blocking setups and sort of, you know, balanced uh, compositions of like four guys sitting on a couch, very, you know, flat to a wall um, and, uh, you know, things staged at different, you know, things staged at different depths and very, I don't know, so I'll say heavy handed 
you know, visual storytelling ways that we don't necessarily do on other Nation episodes. So we definitely took some visual liberties with this one. Um, and uh, next week, I think it'll be back to the uh, Z Nation that everybody is more familiar with. Well, uh, okay. again, when you're when you're taking very stagey blocking and and sort of visuals and putting that on a television medium where you know it's not like you're looking at a flat stage, um, that can be very tricky. You can and a lot of times it's hit or miss, and sometimes you get things like the the producers movie where some of it works but some of it doesn't. But then other times you get stuff like this episode, and again, you guys just knocked it completely out of the park, and it was a blast. Thank you so so much for thank you guys for 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 saying so and for watching. Yeah. It is Although I know you have to. <laughs> it is literally our pleasure. We yeah. would not be here if we did not love this show. I think that could be said of most people who do what we do is that you have to I mean, you know the hours are brutal, so you kind of have to love it to do it. Yeah. Well, uh we we are officially out of time. Do you have any upcoming projects that you can tell us about before we wrap up? Oh geez. Well, the last thing I worked on was a uh a cooking a stoner cooking show on <laughs> Verizon's Go 90 Network, uh, which I think episode two or three is up. It's called High Cuisine. I think it's the <laughs> largest plant-based competition cooking show out there, and yes. uh, everybody is high while they cook. So, <laughs> yes. So if you could find a thing that's that's a stronger contrast to Z Nation, I I would challenge you to do that because uh, this is about as far in the opposite direction as I could get. Oh, I would love for Doc to be on a show like that. that oh would my be amazing. god! Yes. He, if if I could have gotten him on as a celebrity judge, I would have. <laughs> that would have been nice. amazing. Um, but where can people go if they want to keep up with you and all of your other upcoming projects? Um, I mean, I tend to post. I'm on Instagram, DP Yellen. Uh, I tend to post about what I'm doing or travels, or if you just like pretty pictures. That's kind of my mo. Um, it's a it's a uh, quiet run to the end of the year, and then um, I have some things coming up next year that I can't tell you about yet. Well, so keep an eye on that Instagram. We then. can't wait to see them. Uh, Katie, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I've got some shows that are kind of on hiatus right now, but we do have Ruby on Wednesday, so tune in for that. Uh, special shout out to Alicia Perez on Twitter for tweeting us a bunch of gifts of various reactions she had to parts of this episode. They are absolutely delightful. Thank you so much. Uh, be sure to follow Michelle at Michelle underscore Cullen on Twitter, and you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I'm also on a bunch of shows here at After Buzz. I write articles for the Movie Chick. That's Chick with two Ks. Be sure to check those out. Be sure to also check out season two of the Shadow Radio Recreation, where I do the voice of Margot Lang. Thank you guys so so much for watching. We will see you all next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.